Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Very cool. Hey, you ready to hear the Word of God? So good. Hey, I just absolutely believe that when we gather around God's Word in God's house, that God can speak to your heart. And I just believe that tonight, if you do open up your heart and have an open heart to to hear and to receive, that God will deposit something, put something in your life to help you in your journey through life and most importantly, in your journey with faith and with Jesus. And so let's just pray and then we're gonna read some Scripture together and get into it. So let's just close our eyes and just pray together. Father, we thank You so much for this time that we we get to have together, to spend together. But Lord, this great time to be in Your house. And we just invite You, Lord, to speak to us. We just pray for each of us, God, whether it's our first time in church or we've been many times, Lord, speak to us tonight. Help us to experience that great life that You have for us. But Lord, help us to experience Your love and Your grace and Your mercy. Lord, Your forgiveness afresh. Help us, Lord, to draw closer to You tonight. And we just again, Lord, just want to invite You to speak to each of us, to the areas of our heart that maybe we don't know about, but Father, You know about. Would You, Father, minister to us and help us be more like You and to love You more in Jesus' mighty Name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So good. Thank you, team. Appreciate it. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 2 together and it's going to come up on the screens as well. And we're going to read from verse 1. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Verse 4. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're going to jump to verse 19 and it says this, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Amen. I want to preach for the next 20 minutes or so on the topic of building something great. 
building something great. So I have three verses, two stories, five points and a joke, all about building something great. I don't know if you've ever had a look through the Ikea catalogue or perhaps jumped online and seen the finished product of an Ikea product in a very nicely designed room. And often I look at those pictures and I say, I'll just have the room. I'll take the room as it is and just pop it in my house. But we obviously can't do that. So then you say, I'll have that exact desk as it's sitting there, just pop it in my room. So you go to Ikea and you expect to find the desk ready to go. And I don't know why, but I hadn't thought it through. I just thought that somehow I'd be able to get the desk as it is to my house. However, when you go to Ikea, we all know you have to pick up sometimes not one, but two to three different flat packs from different sections. And you're asking one of the employees, where is aisle 67? I'm looking for A3, the blue colour. And you've got to find all the pieces. You get it home and you still want the desk but now the desk is in three different boxes sprawled across the living room there's nuts and bolts rolling off everywhere some of the instructions are very difficult to follow you've got those little wooden joining bits and then one of them snaps and then you're trying to find the thing that curls in and gets the screw anyone is this resonating with anyone I just want the finished product someone just dropped the whole desk at my house ready to go that would be awesome Better yet, just drop the room off. But as we know, that's not how it works. Um, as a young kid, I remember going to uh, the Lego shop and seeing, as they do in the new one in Karanup, at the Lego shop, they have finished designs. So you can certainly buy Iron Man's head, um, but it's not coming as the head. You're getting the box and you're getting 6,000 pieces and it's going to take you 19 hours to do it. I just would like Iron Man's head. In life, isn't it the same where we want the end product, but in fact, we, we just receive pieces and we receive opportunities and we receive wisdom or instruction on how to build what it is that we would desire. When I think I speak for most of us when I say, just give me the finished product. I don't want to have to read the instructions. I don't want to have to unbox it. I don't want, to have to, don't want to have to find the right tools. I certainly don't want to take someone else's instructions. Just give me the finished product. And in, in life, unfortunately, that's not the way that it is. We'll receive pieces to build something great. Then the responsibility is on us. The choice is upon us. Do we build it God's way or do I just try and do it myself? Because of Jesus Christ and in Christ, you can build something great. No matter what your life story has been, no matter what your experiences have been, maybe even your poor choices where they have led you in life, because of the grace of God, you can still build something great. And God wants us to enjoy the building process. In fact, we need the building process because we can learn in the building and we can grow in the building. Everybody in this room, we are called to build, to build a life, to build a great relationship with God, our Creator, to build healthy relationships, to build up others, to build up our families, and then to partner with God to build the church and build His kingdom. In the Bible, Noah took a whole bunch of, I don't know much about woodwork. 
he took a whole bunch of wood <laughs> and stuff and <laughs> made an ark. He built something which saved his family from the flood. Abraham built a family. Nehemiah in the Bible, he rallied a team. He rallied the Israelites together to rebuild a wall, something to protect. Moses and, and the Israelite people built the tabernacle, a place for the presence of God to reside. Solomon in the scripture, he built the temple, a place of worship that would reflect God's majesty and beauty. How's this in the New Testament? I love it. The disciples built a community. They built a beautiful community and the book of Acts talks about a community where everybody had everything in common. They gave to each other and they were seeing people every day put their faith in Jesus Christ. The disciples was a, a different a, a gathering of people from all different professions and all different walks of life and together they built a community. And in our church, we see just here in this expression of the church, people from all sorts of backgrounds, walks of life. Some um, were raised Christian. Some have become a Christian last week. But yet together, God is using us to build a family and to help build the kingdom of God. And I know that in my own personal life, God has taken my heart and has taken what's within me and is beginning every day, day by day, to build me into a man of God. God can take what's within you and day by day, build you into a man of God, into a woman of God, into a, a leader to build you into someone who is gonna leave an impact on the planet. You're called to build something great. And because of the grace of Jesus Christ, despite where life has brought you, you can build something great. Because of God's help, His empowerment, His calling, His grace and His love. So I've got five points on building something great. Point number one is this. Building something great looks like one brick at a time. Building something great looks like one brick at a time. Building Iron Man's head starts one brick at a time. You know, I think we all would love what many would consider to be the idealistic life, to have that impactful life, to have that life that's generous yet still have all the nice things. Is that anyone connecting with that? We want that life, but what happens is, is when we ask God, God, take my life and do something great with it, He just starts to hand us bricks one by one. And sometimes we're in that tension of saying, God, can you just give me it now? And his response is just a brick. And that's sometimes in the form of wisdom. Sometimes God hands you an opportunity. Maybe it's not a nice opportunity. Here's what God often does. Sometimes God gives you responsibility. You say, God, I wanna have that life. He goes, okay, no worries. Here's some responsibility. Sometimes we want that life. We're saying, I wanna have a dynamic life. I wanna have an impactful life. And so God hands us challenges to help us grow, to be able to actually steward that life. I had the opportunity two years ago to, to go to Dubai and I got to see the Burj Khalifa in person. It's, uh, I believe it's the tallest building in the world, is it? Yep, Pastor Luke's nodding, so it's true. And um, it really is like amazing. It's, it's amazing to see it online and to see pictures, but standing at the bottom of it and looking up, I was like, that is impressive. It's huge. And I remember just sitting there, I had a coffee looking at the building and uh, I thought even that building started with just one brick. <laughs> Obviously it's not built with bricks and I don't know anything about woodwork or building. <laughs> Maybe one steel beam, one screw, one workman doing something with a shovel. I don't know what they do, but anyway. 
It's like that saying, I often say this to people, is the, how do you eat an elephant? Anyone heard that old saying? How do you eat, you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Okay, that was supposed to be funny, but that's fun. <laughs> when you're faced with something that seems too big, too daunting, too difficult, and maybe that's how building a great life looks for you. Maybe God using you looks too big and too daunting right now, but the thing is true of how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, one brick at a time, one opportunity at a time, one challenge at a time, one application of wisdom at a time, one service in church at a time, one service serving in church at a time, one scripture read and applied at a time. can eventually land you in an effective place for God and in a fruitful place in life. You might be saying, with where I'm at in life, I feel defeated, I feel small, I feel so far behind, I feel so far from God. Listen, take that first step. Take that first step. Maybe that first step for you is tonight putting God at the foundation of your life. Putting God at the foundation of your life. One brick at a time, God can turn your life around and set you on a path to purpose, wholeness and flourishing. There's some great miracles in the Bible that I just wanna talk about for a second. One is the miracle of the five loaves and two fish. And this is, this is a, a story in the Bible where Jesus takes a young boy's lunch. He doesn't take it, the boy presents it. The boy gives his lunch and Jesus miraculously multiplies the bread and the fish and feeds 5,000 people and there's leftovers. But that amazing miracle, something that is, is talked about thousands of years later, started with a young boy just giving what he had. A small start and also something not supernatural at all. He didn't have to bring um, five loaves, two fish, the feather of a dove, a unicorn's beak, whatever all that supernatural freaky deaky stuff. The scripture teaches us that a normal human being doing something really normal, yeah. taking a small step, but surrendering it to God ultimately became a giant miracle. That is how our lives are supposed to look like. God wants to use us in unusual miracles, helping people, helping the kingdom, helping our community, but it often looks like just taking a small step, doing something ordinary. How does God do something great through our life? How do we build something great with our life? One brick at a time, one small thing at a time, one small step. I love the story of the widow's oil in the Scripture. And this story is about a widow who's in debt and she doesn't have anything to pay it off except a small bit of oil in her house. And a prophet of God, a messenger of God comes to her and says, collect all the jars that you can from your neighbours and start to fill them with the oil. And so she's got this little bit of oil and she collects all these jars and it says that she poured the oil and it didn't run out until she ran out of jars. She was a part of a great miracle. She saw something significant happen in and through her life. What did it look like to her? You guys got any jars? That's what it looked like. You know what it looks like, everybody, for God to start to do the supernatural in your life? It looks like sometimes doing weird, menial, natural things that at the time don't feel good, but one brick at a time, one jar at a time, she saw a supernatural outpouring of God's power. All miracles start with a seemingly insignificant natural step. And tonight, your seemingly insignificant step may just be to simply pray a prayer. Maybe it's tonight to repent. 
Maybe it's tonight just to respond to God, to open up your heart. Something that at the time just feels incredibly natural. God, I'm sorry. God, would you move in my heart? God, could I begin a journey with you tonight? Something like that can kick off a miracle in your life, which will position you to build something great in your life. Number two is this, building something great looks like relying on God for the bricks. We need to rely on God for the bricks because what God gives us to build is the only thing that will work. We need to rely on God's way, on what God has provided. When I was a young kid, Someone blew my mind by telling me that the Bible actually stood for basic instructions before leaving earth. That's pretty cool. I believed it until my second year of college. But it is a cool little thing. And that really is what the Bible is. It's God giving us, what's He giving us? The bricks to build something great. Whether we want to use them or not is up to us. It doesn't matter how badly you want Iron Man's head built. If you're trying to make it with straws, it's not going to be right. It doesn't matter how badly you want that Ikea chair, but if you don't have the right tools, you'll be bashing it with a hammer for a long time, but it's still not going to be right. A lot of us try and build that life that we want, that idyllic life, or for many Christians, that God life, but we're using the wrong tools to do it. We've got the wrong resources to do it. God in His wisdom, His love and His grace has given us basic instructions before leaving earth. That if we would follow these instructions and use them as the building blocks to to live our life, we're going to see God do something great in our life. God's way is the best way. Whenever I pray for people, I often find myself praying similar things every time because I just feel a strong conviction that they're great things to pray for. It's what I would want someone to pray over me. And this is what I find myself praying a lot. I say, God, give them everything they need to do what you've called them to do. What I'm saying is, God, give them all the bricks that they need to build the life that you want them to live. Give them all the bricks that they need. And what I'm praying is I'm I'm releasing to God. I'm saying to God, I don't know what bricks they need. Maybe they need a whole lot of challenges to hit them like a bus. Maybe they need eight more responsibilities. Maybe they need seven. I don't know. I just had the number seven. I didn't have the next word. Anyway. But what that prayer is, is I'm saying, God, we trust you for the bricks. We need you for the bricks. We don't want to try and build Iron Man's head with peas and corn. We want to do it your way with the right things. What is God bringing into your life that you can use to build that you're maybe ignoring? Maybe you're trying to build that life and God's brought along some great friendships within church, but you're not paying enough attention to them. God's brought you the bricks and you're saying, no, I'm going to use the straw instead. Maybe God is trying to send bricks to you through opportunities and you're turning them down because they seem too challenging. Try and think, God, what, and ask God to show you, God, what bricks are you sending my way that I'm not paying enough attention to? What are you trying to build in my life, God, through these things? And how can I use them? God, would you show me? It's a great humble prayer to pray. Rely on God for the bricks. Number three, use the instructions. (laughs) Anyone not like using instructions? Who's like me and loves them? Praise God. Who are the 400 people that didn't put up their hand? Praise God. (laughs) You know, from a young age, I always had a Bible in my bedroom. 
always, you know, my parents are the pastors and so I would have Bibles in my room and I often felt guilty because I wasn't reading it very much. So I would often just leave the Bible open on my bedside table. And so mum or dad, I'm sure would have seen it and gone, good on him. (laughs) My mum didn't realise it was on Isaiah 40 for six months. (laughs) I had the instructions right there but I never used them. And here's what I know to be true. The dustier my Bible got, the more I struggled. The dustier my Bible got, the more confused I got about why my life wasn't working out. I just wasn't using the instructions. I love this saying, it's an old saying, a Bible falling apart is usually owned by someone who isn't. And what that means is a Bible falling apart. I don't know if you've seen Pastor Eli's Bible or or Pastor Izzy's got some Bibles that are just looking cooked. Like there's pages falling out. There's like so many notes have gone in that it's gone through the page. There's journal notes from 2001. There's all sorts of stuff happening. You look at it and you're like, oofed. Someone needs to buy him a new Bible. But what that says to me is they're spending a lot of time reading God's Word. And then I feel challenged because sometimes my Bible's still in the box. (laughs) My Bible was pristine and my life was a mess. I wasn't engaging with the instructions that God had given me to build something great. Don't live confused anymore about why life's not going forward if you're not reading the instructions. The reason it's not going forward is you've got to go back to the instructions. God in His wisdom and His love has given the Bible to us as a gift to help us. And I love these truths. The Word of God endures forever. It's alive. It's active. It is truth. It encourages us. It challenges us. I love what Pastor Spencer says. He says, you read the Bible, but also the Bible reads you. It's at work in those who believe. It helps us see who Jesus is. The Bible helps us understand who we are to be, what we're to build and how we are to build it. I was reminded today when I was reading the Bible about when Jesus faced temptation, He used the Word to resist it and to fight it. He had the Word in His heart and His mind ready to go when He was facing temptation. I want to encourage you, if you're a parent, read the Scripture to your kids. Get the Bible in your house. Young person, get it on your phone. Get the audio book going. If you're catching the train to school, make that time in the Word. Listen to it. Get verses on your wallpaper. Get a friend to talk to about it. But the Scripture is so important because it's basic instructions before leaving earth. Number four, we've got to protect the building materials. To build something great, we've got to protect the building materials. When I was in high school, a friend of mine invited me to sleep over at the house that his parents were building to stop people from stealing the materials. They were building a house, a beautiful house, and people were rocking up, taking the bricks, they're taking the sheets, they're taking all, when I say sheets, the roof sheets, again, I don't know anything about building, I think that's what they're called. Taking all sorts of stuff, wood, I don't know if there was wood there. But he was trying to, you know, in year year 11, he would have just said to his parents, I'll rally the lads, there'll be 16 of us, we'll fight these guys off, whatever it was. And I thought how strange that was. But if you think about it, if you saw a house that you really liked, you couldn't go, I'm going to steal that house. It's not possible. It's not possible to steal a house. But you can steal it mid-process, piece by piece. (laughs) The door gets dropped off, just zoinked, gone. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not giving you ideas. I'm not giving you ideas. But I say that to say this. It's much harder to steal something that's been built when it's finished. It's much easier to just take stuff and rob the place when it's mid-process. This is what happens in our lives is God is wanting to begin something great in our life. And if we're not protective of the building materials, the enemy or just crazy people or ourselves will start to steal the very things, get rid of the very things that God is trying to use to build something in our life. For, for some, it's, you know, you, you've recently responded to Christ and you're like, God, I, I want everything that you have. And then it just seems like all hell breaks loose and all the materials that God's trying to build with, they're getting taken out of your life. Healthy habits, going to church, certain people that you were connected to that were helping you in your faith, they just start getting, getting taken. The reason that the enemy's doing that now is because it's going to be much harder when you're that two-story house that's finished. But here's the, here's the reality. None of us are finished. We're all susceptible to losing things that God is trying to use to build something great in our life. I want to encourage you to protect the building materials. Protect those godly friendships. Protect those godly relationships. Protect those godly habits, those healthy habits. Protect that time in the instructions. Protect your thoughts, your body and your speech. We've got to protect the building materials. My last point, if the worship team would like to join me is this. This is the most important point. Building something great needs Jesus Christ as the foundation and the cornerstone. Building something great needs Jesus Christ as the foundation and the cornerstone. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 says this, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. Sorry. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole, whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you, are, you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever played Jenga um, and especially with kids. So serving in our kids ministry, we would play Jenga quite often and the excitement in the room would go to a whole nother level if someone started to just go for that brick that's holding everything up. There's always that one brick that like someone goes to touch it and some seven, seven year old's like, oh my gosh. And the whole room is like on edge. Cause, and sometimes, right, people think they can get away with it. They're like, I'm gonna just go real fast and the, the towel's just gonna stay, but it never does. There, there's a brick in the Jenga towel, which is critical to the whole thing staying up. Jesus Christ is that brick in my life. He's that brick in many of, in this room's life. And He can be and should be and in reality needs to be in your life. That brick, that cornerstone holding everything up, taking all the pressure so the building can stay up. That's what Jesus wants to be in your life. Jesus Christ is that, that rock that will not be shaken. Our ever-present help in times of trouble 
a friend that sticks closer than a brother, our Saviour. Here's what's so important, everyone. Anything you endeavour to build in life is at incredible risk if Christ is not the foundation. Anything you endeavour to build in life is at great risk if Christ is not the foundation. And when Christ is the foundation, the foundation informs everything else that comes after. And when we have Christ at the foundation, what comes after is God's way, is the best way, God's design for our life, for us to flourish, to walk in freedom, to be free from sin, to be free from, from fear, to be free, free from all of the things that will rob us of the joy of having Christ at the foundation. If Christ is not at the foundation, I would put to you that your life is foundationless. It's building on perhaps just your hopes, your dreams, something you heard someone say a long time ago, something that you want. It's foundationless and is at great risk. As the storms of life come, you could come toppling down. What I know to be true is that within our church in the years that I've been here, I've noticed that Christians and non-Christians all go through challenges, heartbreak and pain. But what I've seen is people that have Christ at the foundation, they don't crumble and come under. It doesn't mean they don't experience pain. It just means that the storm doesn't win because there's a foundation that's Christ at the heart, at the bottom, at the base of all that they do. I used to be under the impression that Christians didn't experience any of that stuff, but that's not true. We experience just the same quite often but we have a foundation, we have a rock, we have something which will not waver th through seasons where everything else is. We, when everything else is falling apart, we have our Saviour Jesus Christ to fall back on who does not change, is the same yesterday, today and forever. I wanna ask you tonight, have you got Jesus Christ at the foundation of your life? Are you trying to build something without Him at the cornerstone? Or perhaps He once was the foundation of your life, but over time you've made decisions to move. I wanna encourage you tonight, do not leave this room. Don't leave this service having made a decision about who Jesus Christ is to you. Make Him the foundation, make Him the cornerstone and He'll uphold you and help you build something great in your life and for the lives of others. But most importantly, with Christ at the foundation, you can build a relationship with God, the Creator. Can we all stand up together? We're gonna to worship and the team's just gonna lead us for a moment. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.